And this won't be just head knowledge. It won't be just words on the page. But it's something that digs deep in. These are the words of Jesus spoken to his disciples. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father... I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that wherever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Um, We are doing a sermon series which is based on... on, um, some work done by our current president of Baptists Together. If you don't know anything about Baptists, we belong to the Baptist Union of Great Britain, and every year they appoint a president uh, who comes with a particular emphasis, a particular teaching, a particular thing they are passionate about, and they want to tell the whole Baptist family across the Great Britain all about it. And uh, our current president is Reverend Ken Benjamin, who's the minister of Chichester Baptist Church. And his current teaching is on the question, where do we grow from here? Where do we grow from here? Where's my PowerPoint? No, that's not it. Okay, no PowerPoint this morning. Um, And um, so we've been going through the sermon series with... um, started with moving the goalpost, recognising that um, as a church we've been aiming here, 
But actually society has shifted somewhat and we're no longer maybe catering our services and what we do to what society wants and what society can interact with and connect with. And actually that means that we require to change some things in the way that we do church. If we talked about doing bold experiments, being willing to try new and exciting things, recognising that it's more important that we try than that we succeed. Because sometimes we will fail. But actually God wants us to be bold in how we follow him and take risks for him. We look at different practices, things that we, or principles actually, things that we need to keep as the foundation as we go out in mission. A lot of that has to do with our, our relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked about that last week when Paul talked about the fact that he is convinced of the love of Jesus Christ for him shown through the, his death on the cross. And therefore he is compelled to go out and tell people about Jesus and show Jesus' love to them. And really what we're picking up this morning is is following on from that. And in that passage we just had read from uh, John chapter 15, it very much picks up the imagery of a vine. Now, put your hands up if you like garden centres. Quite a few of you. I have to admit that doesn't surprise me because I believe that liking garden centres is a sign of getting old. And a sign of being settled. See, in my 20s, I had no interest in garden centres. I, I, they were as boring as can be. And then it, when I was 30, I got married. We moved into a little flat in South London. And we had a, a little bit of a garden. I thought, I could grow some things and vegetables. And suddenly I became interested in pots and garden ornaments and Tomato plants, stuff that, you know, actually I quite like garden centres, you can have a little meal there, it's lovely. So I became old and settled when I hit 30, which is rather depressing, really. And in this passage it talks about God being a gardener, the Heavenly Father being a gardener. And Jesus talks about himself being not just the vine, but a true vine. And this very much picks up on the idea that in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was referred to by God as a vineyard taken out of Egypt, rescued from Egypt and put in the promised land. But the problem was that when God taught about the nation of Israel being in Egypt, be, being a vineyard, he taught about it in the context of them actually not bearing good fruits. So the idea of the nation of Israel is that they would be a blessing to all all nations. They would be a shining light, an example of what it meant to be followers of God, God's people. And yet time and time again, as we read through the Old Testament, they failed in that commission. So Jesus comes along and says, okay, in the Old Testament it talks about the nation of Israel being a vineyard. Actually, I am the true vine. And the true vine bears good fruits. And really, what, and he says to his disciples, you know what? You can bear good fruits. See, when I, I, I got into gardening in my 30s, but then we moved to uh, Luton. We had a massive garden, and we had um, some fruit trees in there. And I remember we had green gauge. I don't know if they're like a greedy plum thing. And they were everywhere. I remember my nephew, when we moved in, squishing them, and then walking into the house, and green gauge uh, everywhere. But after that, after one year of, of good fruit, it suddenly... All the fruit had this brown stuff on it. It turns out actually the tree was diseased and it needed to be sorted. But Jesus says to his disciples, you know what? You are clean. That when you produce fruit, you are going to produce good fruit. Why? 
Because, let's read it in John 15. You're already clean, verse 3, because of the word I've spoken to you. You see, the disciples were going to produce fruit. They were going to produce good fruit because they were clean, because they were with Jesus. And really, when it comes down to it, we're going to produce good fruit. That's sorted. We're fine. If we were Jesus, we're going to produce good fruit. But Jesus says, I want to produce even more fruits. I'm not content with a little bit of fruits. I want as much fruit, good fruit, good quality fruit, as we can possibly get. And we're just going to look at four things that you can do in your lives to ensure that you not only produce good fruit, but you produce lots of good quality fruits. Okay, you with me? It would be up on the PowerPoint, but I forgot to set it up. So you just have to stick with me with this one. So number one, number one thing you need to do, verses 4 to 9, Jesus says this over and over again, remain in me. Repeat after me. Remain in me. Good, excellent. Remain in me. See, I don't know if you know about flowers, but it's pretty obvious really. When you get given these nice flowers, maybe from your other half, they look beautiful, stick them in a jar, do you realise they're dying you know, as soon as they're cut off from the uh, the bulb, whatever, they're starting to die. They may look pretty, you may be able to sustain their growth with a little bit of sugar water or something, but ultimately they are dying. If you cut something off from its source, it will die. And Jesus says the same to his disciples. He says, I am the vine, I am rooted in the Father. That is where I get my sustenance, my power, my authority from. And any branches not attached to me, what's going to happen? They're going to wither and die. It's, it's pretty obvious, really, when we think about it. And if we think about that within a church context, because Jesus was talking to his disciples, and, and you can say, okay, so if, if we talk about the church as being the body of Christ, because Jesus talked about us being his body, actually people who step out of church and say, actually... I don't need church to be a Christian. I don't need church to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I can do it on my own. They will find pretty much, if they cut off ties with the church, they will start to wither and die. Who has experienced that in their life? That when they stop attending church regularly, I know that Chris and Dennis have, you you struggled. Did did you try and maintain it for a while? Yeah, yeah, but you know, just like you know, you stick the, the nice cut, beautiful flowers in the water, you can keep it going for a while, but ultimately, you die. You, sh- you feel like you're shriveled up and you die. So Jesus says, remain in me. So remain in the church, but it's not just about the church. Actually, it's about you as well. See, the church is basically a plural made up of lots of singulars. The singulars is you. Healthy things grow. Healthy churches grow. But a church is a body made up of you and you and you and you. And the health of the church as a whole is the health of you. And actually you may have been going to church for many, many years. You may even call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. But maybe, just maybe, Jesus is not at the centre of who you are. Maybe just, maybe Jesus is standing at the door to your heart and knocking, going, Oi, you've left me outside, I haven't got a key, you've locked me out. You kind of met with me and you welcomed me into your home and then you went in, you shut the door and you left me out. What? Hello? It's Jesus knocking on your heart and saying, let me in. Because I've got work to do. I want to be able to 
fuel you and sustain you. And yet you just feel like, oh, I've said the words, I've made the commitment to Jesus Christ, I'm now a Christian, right, I can put that to one side, I put the card in my wallet. If someone knocks on my door and says, you're a Christian, you go, yeah, yeah, look, I'm a signed up member of the club, here's my cards. But actually, it doesn't affect any of your life at all. And Sunday becomes just one thing where you feel like you're doing what you need to to maintain your membership of the club. But actually, Jesus is saying, you're not even connected to me. And your faith is withered and dying because you're not connected to the source. See, this word remain, if you look at the King James, it's abide. Abide with me, that old word. And it has two meanings, really. Abide can mean to live with and to dwell. See, are you living with Jesus? Are you living with Jesus? I remember when I was at university, my last year at university, I lived with a family. Um, and they welcomed me into their home. And they had a big influence on me. The way they did things. So they thought, oh, that's the way I want to do things. You know, you spend so much time living with your parents and you go off to university and suddenly you're open to a different world, different ways of doing things. I looked at this family like, I want to be like them. Because I lived with them and it changed who I was. Are you living? Are you dwelling? Are you abiding? Are you remaining in Jesus? Because that will make a huge difference to who you are and the way you do things. That's one definition of the words abides. But the other definition of the word abide is to accept and act in accordance with. And that comes us on to our second point. So first point is remain in me. Second point, repeat after me, obey my commands. Verse 10, Jesus says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commands and obey and remain in his love. See, every now and then I've got three children. They go here on a Sunday morning, or they go to Messy Church on a Monday. His Messy Church, I think it's this Monday, isn't it? There you go, that's a plug, Messy Church. Should be a great time after school uh, tomorrow. And sometimes they come back with some plant thing in a pot. You know, they've got a pot of dirt, they've got a bit of bulb sticking out of it. They've obviously been doing something to do with uh, Jesus, connecting it to, to growth. And they come home and they go, oh, that's lovely. And to my shame, I tend to put it to one side. Or maybe I do as much as to stick it outside on the table in the garden. And I don't do anything with it. Now, I've got one out on the garden at the moment. Actually, it has started to grow. It has started to grow. But it isn't going to get very far because it's stuck in a little pot. Also, I found in gardening that gardening is really complicated. Really complicated. Especially when you're starting to get vegetables and stuff. And you've got to stick things in the right place. You know, don't stick shady plants in the sun. Don't stick plants that are dry and arid in wet conditions. You have to uh, follow the instructions. Otherwise, yeah, it will grow. But it isn't going to grow very well can look straggly or too small. Actually, you need to, if you want to bear fruit, if you want to grow, you need to follow the instructions. 
And actually Jesus came up with, Jesus doesn't come up with a, a selection of rules. This is, you must do this and this. If you obey this, then you'll be okay. Actually Jesus came and he, and he showed the disciples and the people listening to him a different way of living, a different way of doing life, a different way of seeing the world, almost like an upside down kingdom. If you look in Matthew chapter 5, you have the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, blessed is, and he comes up with those whole different ways of viewing the world and living your life, which is so contrary to the world that we live in. And Jesus is basically saying, yeah, you can go through life and you can grow. But if you want to bear fruits, if you want to grow the best that you can, in other words, if you want to live life and life in all its abundance, then you need to live a different life. You need to obey my commands. You need to follow my way of doing things. So remain in me. Obey my commands. Third thing, and this is a difficult one, repeat after me, be open to pruning. Be open to pruning. Oh, dear. See, when I was uh, gardening, there was different ways of pruning. I remember with tomato plants, if you wanted to encourage, concentrate and focus the growth on a a tomato plant, can you remember what you do? You you nip the bud. So you've got like a branch like this, and there's little buds grow out, and you nip the buds. And what it does is it stops the the growth going all over. You end up with a big straggly plant with lots of little tomatoes everywhere. Actually, you nip that out, and you focus the growth onto just a few tomatoes. So you don't end up with as many tomatoes, but you end up with better tomatoes. Another thing that I had with my raspberry plants was when it came to about now, you, you got these canes, which are, all the fruit grew on them, but they're gone now, and you cut it right back down. You remove those, those, those branches, and you let new growth grow. There's a number of reasons for that. So first of all, I said about it, it's about concentrating the growth onto a few uh, tomatoes rather than lots. Also, you can clear loads of dead woods and, and lots of branches and leaves to increase air circulation and light getting to, to your fruit and your leaves. And then you remove the dead wood because sometimes the, the fruit will not grow again on the dead woods or actually over time the, uh, the fruit quality reduces. And actually you get better quality fruit from newer growth than you do from old growth. So the point of pruning, cutting up a plant, which seems a little bit counterintuitive really when you think about it, is to improve the health of the plant and the quality and the size of the fruits. Our Heavenly Father wants to do the same in your life. And that sounds really painful, doesn't it? And actually, we spend so much of our life avoiding suffering and pain. And when it does happen, we then pray, please God, don't let it happen. And when it does happen, please God, take this away from me. And sometimes it can be an attack from the devil, but not always. Because I'm sure that there are many examples here of people who have gone through times of suffering times of illness, times of loss, times of financial difficulty. When they will pray over and over again, Lord God, please take this away from me. I do not want this in my life. And yet when they come out the other end and they look back and they can be thankful and say, you know what, God changed me through that process. Would I want to do it again? 
No. But I'm thankful to God that he has improved the quality of my fruits because of the difficulties that I have found myself in. Sometimes through no fault of your own. Sometimes through faults of your own. God is able to make something of that. And that's two ways. That's been very much an individual thing. But in the church, we look a little bit bigger. In the church, God wants to prune Holy Baptist Church. And we will have problems as a church if we say, I don't want to change. Don't take anything away. I find this in churches. You can start lots of new things, but it's almost impossible to stop anything. Because people don't want to stop, particularly if it's borne fruit in the past. Particularly if it's still bearing fruits. So you prune branches that are still bearing fruits so that new fruits can grow, which is a better and bigger quality. And we can struggle with that in church. We become possessive, that's not the right word, more just involved and we find meaning in things that we do. And the idea of stopping that can be really hard for us. And we can crowd out new growth because we refuse to let go of those things that are old. God wants to prune us. And we need to know the difference between suffering because of the devil or suffering because God wants to change us. We need to know what things in our church we need to get rid of and those things that we need to keep. And that's where it comes into number four. Pray. Repeat after me. Pray. So we remain in me, Jesus says. Obey my command. Be open to pruning. Pray. So we need to go to God and say, what on earth is going on here? What do I need to do? Also, we need to look around and say, God, please bring growth to our church. Please change what's going on in our community. Please change what's going on in my life. It means stopping before starting. Because too often we just plough through life. We just start new things. And we don't think to stop and ask God, is this what you want me to do? See, verse 7 and verse 16, Jesus says, ask for anything and you'll get it. And we talked about this before in a previous sermon. That when we ask for things that align with Jesus' character, and they're for God's glory and they fit with his plan, when we listen to our Heavenly Father to find out what is it we're supposed to be doing, and God will give it to us. So remain in me, obey my commands, be open to pruning, pray. Talk to your Heavenly Father because you are a friend. You're not a servant or a slave. You can have insight into what the Master wants to do in your life and in the life of this church. But this remains with one last question. We looked at how we might be more fruitful. How we might have better quality fruit. But the question remains is, what is the fruit? What is the fruit that Jesus is talking about here that he wants his disciples to show? Any ideas? Love. Love. See, Jesus, it's almost like it's, it's, it starts in the Father. 
with love. And Jesus remains in the Father and he, he gets that love. He gets that relationship. As he's loved, he loves in return. And he passes that love on to the disciples. He says, disciples, remain in me. Be loved by me. And then you will feel that love as well. And then you will take that love and you will pass it on. It's like from the Father to the Son to the disciples and to everyone that they meet. Love begets love. If you want your children to be loving... I was mind, I just, it just came to thought of a, of a foster child who's never really known love. And has just been passed from post, pillar to post, from family to family, never really connecting, never really finding love. And then they find themselves in a the family that does their utmost to love this difficult child. To show him love regardless of what they do, regardless of the way they push back. Because of all the stuff that's gone on in their lives. And as that child experiences that loving environment, that unconditional love, not only do they feel love, not only do they experience love, but they start to become more loving. Love begets love. See, Jesus says, if you want to know someone's heart, and look at their fruits. By, your fruit, by their fruit you will know them. And he said to his disciples, by loving people, they will know that you are followers of me. What is your fruit? Is it love? Because the fruit shows where you are rooted. We're all going to produce some sort of fruit. Is it good? Is it bad? If you remain in Jesus Christ, if you obey his commands, if you be open to the work that Heavenly Father wants to do in your life, if you're willing to pray and listen to what God wants you to do, you will produce abundant, amazing, beautiful love. I think some of us think we need to love God before we can do anything else. We struggle with that feeling. I remember someone saying, I want to, I love, I want to, want to, want to, want to, want to love God. I feel I'm that far from, from, from loving God. I want to feel that emotion. I want to, I want to be just in love with God. I want to be in love with Jesus, but I'm not there yet. How do I do it? How do I feel that? How do I feel that love and return that love? How do I become more loving than remain in Jesus? That is a starting point. Connect with Jesus. Obey his commands. Be open to pruning and pray. That's the process. As you remain in Jesus, you will feel and know and pass on that love. So we're going to do that now. We're going to take this time. Last week we took time just to go to that place of intimacy with our Heavenly Father. And as you sit there, we're going to play some music I just want you to use this time to abide, to dwell, to live with Jesus. And maybe for some of you, it's just hanging out with your friends. Or maybe for others of you, you realise that, you know what, you've shut God out. You've shut Jesus out of your life. 